of the Watchers Council. I am your watcher, Kinsey. I'm Jack. And I'm Donna. And welcome to Once More with Feeling, our 20th anniversary Buffy fan cast. And we just got through watching Teacher's Pet. Donna, you want to give us a brief synopsis? This episode begins rather heartbreakingly with biology teacher Dr. Gregory encouraging Buffy to ignore the negative that anyone says about her and just devote herself to her studies and then he knows he will do she will do well which is followed by him being beheaded that's my note actually science teacher fucking rocks of course <laughs> <laughs> the substitute teacher Natalie French arrives and she Rather immediately begins behaving appropriately with the young... Inappropriately. Did I say appropriately? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she behaves not at all appropriately <laughs> with the young men in her class, uh, including working overtime or after school with several of the young men to create egg sacs. Of course, it turns out that Miss French is actually a giant praying mantis. And she is actually working with the young men to create actual egg sacs. Exactly. Uh, and this this is concluded by Buffy doing her homework and being successful because she did, and saving Xander from the praying mantis who wants to mate with him and then kill him. Uh, this episode began with Jack saying... <laughs> Remember, guys, Xander is the victim in this situation. Because when minors are sexually engaged by a female adult, they are the victims. Also male Regardless, adults. Any when, adults. <laughs> when, when minors... Uh, well, the, the thing is that, like, because often, like, when you see two people engaging in a sexual situation and one of them is about to get screwed over, it's very easy to automatically assume it's the guy's fault. Because he has the penis and therefore he is the aggressor. But in this case, he is very, like, although he is 100% on board with what, uh, with what Miss French wants, uh, Miss French is absolutely 100% the aggressor in the situation because she's the adult who knows better and she's taking advantage of these kids. I do think it's possible Jack thinks perhaps we've been bashing Xander a little too hard the last few episodes, so. But I do like, though, that Jack, by Jack saying that, I know, me personally, I did watch the episode a little bit differently and was looking more specifically like, oh, this is abuse. This is horrible. And not more like, Sander, what are you doing? Not like, yeah, it's definite, definitely clear. And I, I mean, I still think Xander is really problematic, even in this episode, I have multiple notes that are, oh god, Xander, Xander frowny face, Xander why. Um, I, I do want to just, because I, I think we all used to love Xander, and so I really think we're just, we're just looking at him from the lens of a different time. Yeah. Uh, and there, you know, there's a lot of older movies that you maybe look at and go, okay, what they're doing there is not okay, but based on what was considered appropriate, appropriate at the time, you kind of got to cut him some slack, and I think there's a little bit of the same thing I going think, on here. I think Xander. you have that a lot with Buffy. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. But I think you have that a lot with Buffy, because Buffy was so good when it was made. But if you look at it now, you're like, oh, look at all those white folks in this movie. <laughs> there's not even a not-white extra. Not for a while. Yeah, not for a long time. Like, the, 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 the least white person we see for a very long time is Cordelia. 
You're right. <laughs> I may leave that long silence in there just to punctuate your statement. What I do, what I do want to say about Sanders, it's not just that he that like Joss Whedon is writing this in a different time. Like this was a different time, and it was like the '90s was also an, a time when it was. So let me talk about virginity for a second, because I don't think that like. I don't know that people appreciate quite how bad it was for us growing up to identify as a virgin at any point during our high school time. Like, it was awful. It was social suicide to identify as a virgin. And the fact that, and being a virgin was like, was one, horrifying, because what if somebody found out? And two, it was, it, it was, it, you're living a lie. Like, you're constantly living a lie because you're being forced to be like, no, yeah, I, I like, um, girls' parts, and there are things that I would do to girls, like, with my hands and stuff. <laughs> and, like, you have no idea what you would actually do because you don't know, you've never been in that situation, but, like, you, you constantly feel like you have to pretend to be this person. It's this constant lying and it's constant, like, trying to be this ideal that you're being told you have to be that that Blaine feels to such an extent uh, that he actually threatens to sue people. So I have a story that kind of dovetails into that talking about virginity. Let me finish. The, okay. The, I'm sorry. One sorry. Thing about, uh, about like even Buffy is, is a dick about it. Like when she's like, Oh, I'm sure Xander's not, no. That was I don't know that, Sam, that Buffy's meaning to be a dick, though. Like, at the, like Buffy has been reassuring Willow the whole time, and I think that Buffy's trying to continue to reassure Willow. However, however, I was really shocked that nobody went after Xander when he was clearly, like, agitated and upset at Buffy. Because the last time she saw him, he was like, what, a woman can't find me attractive? Yes, is this so unbelievable? And then he storms off, and Buffy doesn't say anything about that to Willow. And, like, they all know that Xander has some sort of appointment with the teacher, but nobody well, what is things, ever worried about him. And that, that struck me as super weird. One of the themes throughout is that a lot of the time Xander gets ignored. He, he's treated like like kind of like somebody who's just on the outskirts and we don't really see this played with very much until season three. Is it the Zeppo? Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, I love that episode so much, but we're going to come back to it in season three, so I'm not going to talk about it now. Well, one of the things that I actually wrote down that I found was interesting is the Zeppo does something that this episode does as well, which is we are opened up on the episode talking about this big bad fork guy. Like, Angel comes yeah. in and has a whole, like, cryptic thing about it, and they're all focusing on that. Meanwhile, Xander is dealing with the actual big bad that matters, because even though we, like, Buffy kills the fork guy by accident. Like, it's just a yeah. chance because this That's place true. is big as It and is so very much the same. It's interesting that Xander is the one dealing with the big bad in this and being largely ignored. And the same thing happens in the Zeppo when Xander is being largely ignored and dealing with the big bad. So I, I, I just found that to be. Well, like, so, so just virginity, uh, virginity was a big deal. And the fact that like, the fact that even Buffy like bought into it for a second, like, and, and I like, I just like Xander was the only one in the entire group who 
responds by being like, no, Xander's not a virgin. We need to go get him. And like, and and like Willow, sorry. Willow's the only one who does that. And like, so Willow was the only person who wasn't shaming him for it. Like no, the, well, I don't see, think Buffy was shaming him. I think in Buffy's case, she was like, this is a guy I like, as a friend, this is a guy I like, I respect him, therefore he's not a virgin. But, but is that, that the assumption is shitty? That yes, is a shitty it is, assumption. It is a shitty assumption, well, I agree. I'm just saying that, that she wasn't shaming him. And I feel like in this group, if that shitty assumption was made about women, I feel like that would be called shaming. I'm just saying that. No, I don't <laughs> think you're right. Here's a thought. <laughs> here's a, Here's something to think about. Buffy is not a virgin. If we assume that any amount of the movie is true, and we know that the actual movie didn't happen prior to Buffy, but we can assume that some part of it happened. Buffy is Buffy, actually Buffy, Buffy is had a sex with Pike. Yeah, but Buffy is considered uh, Buffy. I thought Buffy lost her virginity to Angel was because that, that was a huge deal. That's what I thought too. Was in the that, show, it was I, a huge deal. I never thought that that was what happened. Okay. I, I assumed going into Buffy that some amount of the movie was true. We I have to that, see when we get there. But yeah, I, I thought she was a virgin. I thought, I thought she, she wasn't. I thought the whole thing about her losing her virginity to Angel was that Angel's a vampire. No. Or not losing her virginity, but having sex with Angel. Like, a lot of the hangups. Anyway, so I I went into this show, and I, I could be forgetting something, mm-hmm. but I went into the show assuming that Buffy was not a virgin. And so, if you assume that, then Buffy assuming other people aren't is pretty normal. Like, you become your default. If I'm not a virgin, then yeah, I think other people are. But she was not saying that, like, the tone that she used when she said that, she was using a tone that said, Xander can't possibly be a virgin because it is shameful to be virgin, to be a virgin. I, I see what you're saying. It is shameful I, I to be a man who is a virgin. I did not get that tone at all. I do. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I don't. I don't feel like she was shaming him, but I do understand... What you're saying. I just think it's a really interesting because uh, one of the biggest things that I tell a lot of people, particularly when they are, um, when they're railing against feminists, like one of the biggest things that I, I tell them is when somebody tells you that there's a problem, you should listen to that person because that person's feeling something that you maybe don't understand or haven't seen. Can we stop? And so we can stop for a second. Guys, we got a little intense there for a minute. We had to pause to have some some conversations and hug things out. So, uh, would anyone like to synopsize what we just talked about? We've been giving a lot of Xander hate. And I think one of the things that we haven't been particularly clear about is that, like, we all did love Xander at the time. And a lot of our problems with him are now. And I think that we... To have been ignoring the fact that Xander is really a product of the time and a product of... And not only a product, but a victim of. A victim of, yeah. Like, he is very much, I think, a victim of toxic masculinity. He has a lot of these things that he does because that's just what you're supposed to do. He talks about women the way that he does because that's... What he thinks he's supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. And as we learn later on in the show... Um, his family life is, is violence. His, 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 his father is abusive. His father is an alcoholic, abusive. Uh, his, his, he, he comes from poverty. Yeah. His family forces him to live in the basement the moment he turns 18 and forces him to pay rent. Yeah. And he has to take a job and he can't go to college. That's why he has to take a job doing carpentry, which is why he becomes good at it. Um, but the point is, is that we haven't, like, 
It is very easy for us now to bash on Xander, but much like we were talking about Amy in the last episode, Xander doesn't come from a great place. And this was actually something that we decided to talk about, so I'll go ahead and say it now. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason Xander doesn't go down a similar path of Amy is that he does have the support structure of Buffy and Willow and Giles to pick him up whenever he does take the many severe missteps <laughs> that he takes. But I, I, I believe strongly that it is not totally his fault because what he has is a head full of bad lessons. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, it just occurred to me now is like, really, like, uh, with very few exceptions, I think all villains start out as victims to some extent. No, I definitely agree yeah, with that. And I, I, well, and I think especially in Whedon shows, yeah. you, whenever we get to see something of the villain, we see the choices that led them to that place. Yeah, and you know, nobody thinks they're the villain. Everybody thinks they're the good guy. Everybody thinks that they're doing the best thing they can do. Every, every single vampire had their body integrity violated. Yeah. By another vampire, and then became a violator themselves. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so while we will definitely bag on Xander some more in this episode, and in probably every other episode until the depot, <laughs> um, I, I like. I think it is important for us to to note that um, he's got a lot of baggage. Yeah. To- it, the worst baggage of all, probably being. The middle name Lavelle. <laughs> yeah, that is an awful middle name. I, I didn't remember this <laughs> until this episode. Okay, so then we all hugged and and reaffirmed that we love each other, and now we're ready to move on. So this episode, I think, is a really interesting look at toxic masculinity, actually. Exactly, um, yeah. For instance, you have Miss Natalie French, who is the substitute teacher after... Dr. Gregory. Yeah. Dr. Gregory, Gregory is killed. Uh, she's also the femme fatale, and in true femme fatale style, she's a praying mantis. And, you know, she's, she's, she's fucking beautiful. And she also does this thing with Xander that you see in a lot of things where she, oh, I've done something stupid. Like, she plays dumb in this very, like, childlike way. Mm-hmm. Like, that that sort of, like, helpless female. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been silly. So do you mind coming over to my place? And she is absolutely victimizing Xander. She is playing on all of his, like, insecurities. Like, the way, like, the way that everybody talks about women in this episode is so... Mm. <laughs> awful. <laughs> awful. It's just really, really bad. And I don't re- like. I honestly don't remember how I felt about this episode when I first saw it. I just know watching it now, I'm like, oh god. Like I was cringing through a lot of it. It 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 brought up a lot of stuff. I mean, including. I think we already talked about it. We took that pause, so I've forgotten what we talked about. Um, we talked about you know the stigma of being a virgin and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, it's a stigma for the boy to be a virgin, but I remember in high school feeling quite a bit of pressure to be sexually active myself and being very tempted to lie about my sexual status as a uh, as a high school student. So, so mine I have tell to your story. I have to tell my story because it's it ties in with this. I was dating a guy my senior year. He's a couple years older than me. 
And the moment he found out I was a virgin, he referred to me as a Betamax. You really don't, you know, you can kind of get the job done, but you really don't know what to do with them. A freaking Betamax. Wow. Yeah. I wish that we had video right now. <laughs> I don't know what my face looks like, but I saw Donald's. I didn't see Donald's. I saw both of you. But that is fucking horrible. Isn't it horrible? Isn't it horrible? And it's yeah. like, and I was, I was fine with my choice. Like, I was, I made, I was happy with my choice. And the moment that came out of his mouth, I'm like, I, that's when I start, started feeling bad. You know, I don't remember ever feeling bad that I was a virgin, but I do know that there was a boy I had a crush on and I was, he asked me out at one point and I stood there for a second, totally not knowing what to say because he had a long history of having sex with every girl he'd ever dated. And I, uh, I was a weird kid. Cause I did not want to get in trouble and I was like super crazy honest with my mom. And my biggest fear was ever having to go home and tell my mom or my grandmother that I was pregnant. And so I had no intention of having sex with anyone. And so when he asked me out, I was like, I don't think I can. And then we both <laughs> stood there awkwardly for a minute and he was like, is it cause of the other girls? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, do you think I'm hot? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, we're good then. And then he just left and that was fine. And we were friends. <laughs> it was a really weird moment. I remember in ninth grade, uh, and if any of my high school friends are listening, this will be the first time they hear about this. Um, in, the, in the ninth grade, I made up a girlfriend, uh, totally invented her, um, and like got some pictures off the internet. And, oh, the early days of the internet when you could still do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I invented a girlfriend so that I could have sex with her, so that I could stop being a virgin, which got me instant results, and I was so much cooler, like, after that. You know, I think my main problem was that I was never cool. Like, ever. Not once in my entire school career was I cool. So at, by the time I got to high school, I was just like, eh. <laughs> Never gonna be cool. No reason to start trying now. See, I didn't give up, and I kept trying to figure out new ways of doing it. And... You were better at it than I was. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I just didn't care. Like, I mean, anyone, if anyone that knew me in high school is listening, you guys know this. I didn't care. I had friends on, you know, from one end to the other, and I just, it's whoever I wanted to hang out with. If you were cool to me, then I was gonna be cool to you. I didn't care if you were in band, you were in yearbook, you were one of the cheerleaders. I mean, to give you an example, I was in speech and debate, and I was also the mascot on in my high school. So I, I am zero percent surprised to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, you know, if you were cool with me, I was going to be cool with you. Let's just don't be assholes to each other. That was my rule. The honestly, the only way that I knew that being a virgin was bad, virgin was bad, is that it was on like every TV show. It was a big deal for um, Angela in My So-Called Life. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal for anybody to lose their virginity ever. I think it was there was an episode. There was an episode know, of Doogie Howser, a very special, there was always a very special episode. Yeah, um, well, and there was, there was a Blossom episode. I think there was a Full House episode where DJ was trying to decide or something. Like, yeah, so that was the only way that I was aware that being a virgin was a big deal because I just, like I said, I was not cool. And then just to throw out there what an artificial construct the idea of virginity is to begin with. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> to switch to switch the tone, one, Principal Flutie, who I thought was kind of neat, 
totally got one up by Dr. Gregory. No, um, didn't get one up. Didn't just get one up. He actually really, really disappointed me in this episode. Because one, he's sharing Buffy's personal records with Dr. Gregory and presumably other teachers. That is illegal. Hmm. <laughs> is that okay to do? Like, there, there's just certain things that you don't, that you don't share. I don't know, I don't know that, um, I don't know that that specific thing wasn't going to be shared, but like, um, but it just seemed like them, like the principal handing the permanent record to like these teachers to look at just seemed really, really not kosher. So I think that may be illegal. Um, the second one was psychological debriefing, which was a 90s thing. <laughs> uh, such a 90s thing. So psychological debriefing happens when you experience a trauma or when a trauma, you're exposed to a trauma. A lot of agencies and schools and organizations started doing this thing where they would bring everybody into a room and then would be like, okay, you have... You, you're going to get PTSD unless we talk right now. You have to tell me all of your feelings. Heal! Heal! <laughs> which is exactly what, which is exactly what Flutie did. And it's played for laughs, but really that's like uh -huh. kind of how it was. Yeah. Like, and, and what they discovered is psychological debriefing actually led to more cases of PTSD. Oh. Because not, because by forcing people to, uh, to deal with their emotions, in a way that they're unprepared to do, yeah. it makes them unable to process it, process the emotions in their own way. Interesting. Um, so now what we use is psychological first aid, which is more about like helping you, like let's meet your needs, like let's find out what what you're lacking. Like if it's a hurricane, maybe you need fresh water instead of to talk. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, if if it's if if it's just like a, a death, somebody nearby, then like. Maybe you need to talk. Maybe you don't need to talk. If you need help, just like, I'm open. But if you don't need it, then you go do your own thing. Um, and that works out a lot better than uh, psychological debriefing. So we're not, we're no longer causing, for, causing PTSD psychologists by forcing people to <laughs> confront emotions that they're not prepared to confront. But I thought that was interesting because psychological debriefing was definitely like a bad, bad thing. And this episode had that. Well, didn't you notice something that this episode, uh, not this episode, but like the first episode it did as well, like the, the, the pop psychology. Joyce, yeah, with, oh, yes. yeah. So that it's kind of. Yeah. Joyce's pop psychology. Yeah. Oh man. So much nineties, like pop <laughs> psychology. Uh, also point of note, uh, shawarma. Whedon has a thing for shawarma. <laughs> he does indeed. Because Xander goes off about it and I'm like. How does Xander know what shawarma? I only knew, like realized what shawarma was while watching the Avengers. Yep. I did like, since you mentioned Dr. Gregory, I did like that Buffy was very confused by, like, the compliments yeah. and that he mm -hmm. was, you know, like, hey, we're, we're clean slate. I know you're smarter than this. You're mm -hmm. not, you know, you're not trouble. Prove them wrong. Make them meet their words. Like, I, and I like that she was generally just, she did not know how to react. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I thought he was just a really cool teacher because even though he knew Willow was giving Buffy the answers to the questions, he let it happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was just super chill about, like, is there anything else Willow would like to tell you? <laughs> uh, so I really liked him because I, I liked how Buffy reacted to him because he is the kind of teacher that I had in high school that I would have done my homework for. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I, 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 I just liked seeing that on screen. It was really unfortunate that he died. And this is the first in a long train of role models that Buffy has yeah. that die. Mostly all of her <laughs> role models get murdered horribly. <laughs> 
not a good plan for me to be somebody that Buffy looks up to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it isn't. Like, Dr. Gregory, Miss Miss Walsh was my big, like, favorite role model that not only turns out oh, to die, but Oh, she doesn't even just die. She's she, fucking evil. She's, she's evil, and she dies. <laughs> like, it's everything. Everything went wrong. Uh, this one, this had a, another one of my favorite quotes from the show that I actually forgot Xander was the one that said. But he, the funny how the earth never opens up and swallows you when you want it to. That was like my fucking motto. Yeah. <laughs> for a long time. And, and moving past who's creepy. My God, Angel. I don't know that I was ever completely on board with Angel, but that little <laughs> smirk, I want to slap him. I hate that little smirk. <laughs> oh, that smirk is so attractive and also so infuriating. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I think I've said this before, but I'm so conflicted on Angel because everything about Angel should be my type, but I just don't like him. Like, he's got the smirk, he's broody, he's arguably attractive. I just, like, I don't know, man. I was just really annoyed whenever he shows up and is like, he doesn't seem particularly flustered. But he can't seem to explain to Buffy what she should be looking out for. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I wasn't paying attention. I have to go. And I'm like, you're not even winded. Like, yeah. <laughs> like tell her something useful, dude. And how hard would it have been to say, hey, there's a vampire out there with claws on his hand where his hand used to be. Go kill that one. <laughs> I think at this point, I, I think at this point, the master has some kind of hold over him still. You think so? Yeah, like I, I forget what it is, but I think the master has some kind of hold over him. I think maybe it still has to do with Darla, because things change when Darla dies. Mm-hmm. Um, when Darla dies, like things are things are very different. So maybe maybe I think it's some sort of because I know that Angel can see Jeremy Renner. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever Jeremy Renner, an angel, when angel, when Jeremy it, Renner. Yes, it's Jeremy Renner. Who? He's an angel. He's, He's angel's, angel's uh, child, child progeny. What? Yes. No. Okay, we'll yes. get to we'll get to that. We'll get to yes. that in season. It makes me so happy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jeremy Renner is that obnoxious kid? We'll get to that in season two of Angel, guys. <laughs> Anyway, We're going to watch that eventually. <laughs> anyway, because okay. Angel can see him and what he's doing. So you think it's like like the mystical... Yeah, I think there's a mystical hold because because Darla's still alive, the Master's around, and both of those people are very important because Darla's the sire, Master's the grandsire. I will buy it if there's more evidence to that. If not, I'm just going to continue to... We'll see if there, I, will, I will accept it as headcanon. We'll see. Yeah. If, we'll see if there's more evidence for it. I think there is, but I don't remember. It's I, I been will a while. accept it as headcanon and agree that that would make it all better. Okay. Good. So I'm going to add a total counterpoint to your both of your angel points here. So I came very late to the Buffy party. I didn't start watching till season four when I lived with my roommate Laura. So Laura, awesome. Thanks for introducing me to Buffy. <laughs> so I was, you know. Well past all the angel nonsense, whatever you call it. No, I had a, fine. <laughs> I had a realization in this episode that if I had to watch this when it was on, I'd have been total all swoony for angel. <laughs> it's like it's just enough mystery, could be a bad guy. It's like, oh check, check, like all the checks for me. See, he should have like I oh. don't know, he should have I also though I guess this is important, I also originally missed this. And by the time I came in, Spike already existed in the show. So it's also possible that a lot of my angel hate is because 
Spike check the boxes harder. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was a, kind of interesting. That, that is actually my last note was like, would have been all swoony for Angel <laughs> at the time. Um, was oh, swoony for Angel. This is, this is a, a, another point about like the weirdness of like the, the I'm going to call it the toxic masculinity of this episode. Even all of the songs in this talked about women in a strange way. Like you opened up with Superfine, I Already Met You. And, like, that seemed to be sort of, like, that angry ex-girlfriend song. Yeah. Also, 90s music was weird, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is super 90s music. Um, and I don't I didn't check to see what the song at the end was, but that one was really, like, the lyrics on that one were kind of weird about women, too. Mm-hmm. I kind of point out something with this episode. This was what I was very excited about when we were researching before we started taping. I didn't realize how relevant this episode was. But this episode was about the time the whole Mary Kay Letourneau stuff happened in 97. So the whole teacher thing, it's like, <gasps> oh. Ripped from the headlines. Ripped huh? from the headlines, yes. Right. So just, I thought that was kind of like, oh, we're, oh, this is happening. Yeah. And I mean, and I know as, the, I know as the series goes on, you'll see kind of more parallels like that. But to me, this one kind of really hit me in the face, if so to speak. Yeah. My last note was about those rings that Xander was wearing. When did he start wearing rings? I don't remember them. The first time I noticed them was when he had been told by Miss French that he was going to, like, go do egg sacks with her. And he got excited and he did, yes! And he threw his arm out. And when he threw his arm out, I saw this, like, flash of light. And I was like, there's a ring on his finger. That's cool. What, when did he have rings? I didn't even notice them until he was in the cage and put his hands yeah, on the that's when he I wrapped his hands so. around the bars. And, and I was and like, has he been wearing these for all of the episodes? Like, that's a coffin ring. <laughs> yeah, like really obvious gothy rings. And I'm like, Xander, you're a skater. Don't go crossing your, <laughs> your your styles here. Side note, I would wear the coffin ring because that thing looks fantastic. Uh, I'm side, sure I did. Side note, as somebody who hung out with a lot of skaters in the 90s, they sometimes wore gothic, wore goth rings. <laughs> so, so it's okay. It's not mixing the stuff. Uh, this is another episode where Whedon does the thing that Donna loves, where he has the um, victim predator roles sort of switched because you've got Pork Guy, the big bad, yeah. fall going after um, Miss French, only to see her as a higher form predator and run the fuck away. That's exactly right. You had a guy stalking a woman on a dark street. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't catch that one. Um, also, <laughs> throughout the episodes, particularly the two we watched today, I have come to the conclusion that boys are precogs. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because they're in the last episode we watched, Xander goes, oh, here she comes, and then the camera cuts... To Buffy so, turning to, a corner. To Buffy turning a corner and coming towards them. And then in this one, Blaine is like, oh, you're going to need the wet, or you're going to need that, the weapon. And it cuts to Miss French as a praying mantis monster turning around to them. Not as if she had turned around. It is now stalking towards them. Just as if yeah. <laughs> Blaine has precognitively seen that she will turn around. Yeah, when the camera cuts to, the pra- cuts to Miss French, she's a praying mantis. And she's turning away. She's turned away for at least one second before she turns around. So boys are precogs to when girls are going to turn and look at them. <laughs> one of my other notes is that I was actually really confused about why Buffy brought 
Kruger vampire? He, she thought that he could sense her. But I don't understand why she thought that. Because he did not sense her originally until she turned around and looked at him. Yeah, I thought that she gave him some sort of like predator stare or something. Mm-hmm. But and Buffy's dragging him around the neighborhood like he's just gonna snip her out of yeah. whatever house that she's in, and I don't get that. It worked. It was reasonable for I mean, it didn't work. They had to, they found him because Xander started screaming for help. Oh. It was a terrible plan. That's true, that's true. Uh, well, uh, Buffy did say, this is the house? Is this the house? And the guy was like, trying to fight, like, get me away from this place. I thought that he was just fighting because he was being held captive by the Slayer, and it doesn't fucking matter what he says or does. <laughs> He's not making it out of this situation. <laughs> like, his increased agitation seemed like a perfectly reasonable <laughs> reaction for a vampire to have in this situation. Fair enough. Okay. I did find it funny that they were... The makeup department was basically telling you what she is with her green eyeshadow and her green nail polish. I want to talk about the eyeshadow on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Because in the 90s, I was super into bright colors, and I could never, like, I'm looking at their eyeshadow, and it's so brightly pigmented, and I don't understand where they got it, or what they were using, or how all of us, like peons who were supposed to emulate that look because it didn't exist in stores. But I also realized all the colors that I'm falling in love with are in the like electric or the Urban Decay's electric palette now. <laughs> and I, I love it. I want to say it did exist in stores. Uh, unfortunately, it existed in stores in metropolitan cities like Miami where um, I grew up. So we yet. had it. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't have it in Oklahoma. Well, why weren't you rocking these looks? Well, because I was a skater, not uh, not goth, or <laughs> nor was I like whatever you had to be as a guy in order to wear nail polish at that time. Mostly goth. Mostly yeah, goth. that was the goth thing. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, and that is Willow's character. You see in this episode so much of what Willow is going to be. Like I love the character consistency because Xander is in danger. And Willow says, I'm going to start banging on doors. And she gets up, and she's literally going to do that. Mm-hmm. And the way that she said it and everything, it's so reminiscent of what she does in later seasons. Or even just when, uh, when was it Giles that confirmed the uh, the virgin thing? And Willow's just like, he's going to die. And she gets up, yeah. and she, she is going to go get him. Like, Willow's character consistency just, like, really amazed yeah. me. Like, this is the episode where I feel like you know who Willow is, and you can count on that for the rest of ever. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't agree with that. So, one last thing I want to talk about. This episode did Adrian, mine and Adrian's favorite thing, and did another Tales from the Crypt ending. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm always a fan of. Oh, also, this is the episode where Buffy gets the jacket. Yeah, Angel gives Buffy the jacket, and she carries that jacket with her throughout the entire series. Do yeah, she does. Aww. Aww. Whatever. <laughs> she, she's not just she's not cookies yet. No. And Giles calls his watcher or his friend Ferris Carlisle. Did that like I don't know, I could just be making it up. That name sounded familiar to me. That name sounded familiar to me too. So I wanted to write it down and just mention it so that mm-hmm. if it does come up later, I can be like, I knew that name sounded familiar. 
I seem to remember it. I don't know if any of you guys here played any of the Buffy games, like on GameCube or anything. I seem to... I literally had no idea that was a thing. Oh, it is a thing, and it was fantastic, because there was two of them, and it was great. First game was better than the second game. But I want to say, like, that name is used in something that's that, mm-hmm. that happens in the game. That's where it sounded familiar to me. Um... Oh, and I just wanted to add this. The lady that played Natalie French is Musetta Vander, and she's Dutch South African. Yeah, like... I would explain that hint of an accent. Yeah, I looked it up because I was like, what is her accent? She's amazing. I love her. I love her so much, and yet she was in the worst film that I've ever seen in my life, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. (laughs) Okay, that's where I know her! Okay! She's the one that, like, she, she does that... She delivers one of the worst line readings I've ever heard in my life. It's like, uh, something, and you will die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's awful. Like, it's an awful re- line reading. Um, if anyone, if anyone here, uh, watches, um, watches YouTube videos and sees, uh, um, what is it? Cinemasense. Cinemasense, thank you. Cinemasense has a Mortal Kombat, uh, uh, episode and they show uh, that line reading and that line reading is just oh my god um, but she's she's she plays the central characters really well and she's been in so much crappy sci-fi that I love but she's also <laughs> been in Buffy which you know at the time was kind of like campy yeah. so that's like that's probably why she was like hey this is my gig but yeah I, I still love her no I this, thought she was great I think she's wonderful I just I her accent, I I found interesting, so I looked her up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think uh, I think we're about done. I I just I I, I just I love Jack. Jack, I love, I love you, you. Donna. <laughs> and and Kinsey and Adrian, I love you too. I love all of you. That's why I'm here. Do we have thank yous? We do have thank yous. Uh, once again, uh, those that's following us on Twitter, thank you so much. Definitely tweet at us. We you know we love the interaction. It's great. Uh, you can if you're not following us on Twitter, which come on guys, we're at once more W Buffy. We'll soon have an Instagram as well as a Patreon. Of course, you can find us on iTunes and soon Google Play and give us reviews because we really love doing this. And any support you guys have, we will be extremely grateful and thankful for. Probably maybe get a verbal shout out if you follow our one of our other podcasts. We've kind of been doing that, so. You know. I was gonna say, if there's anything that anybody else notices in an episode or is like really wants to talk about, even in future episodes, please let us know because we would love to. Exactly, and yeah, that's what I got. The uh, other podcasts that Kinsey mentioned are Collective Snark that Adrian and I are on, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods that Adrian and Kinsey and I are on with our friend Debbie. Our friend Michelle is on Collective Snark. You should listen to those too. Girl, are we're the lead, you're the living. Bulldog, bulldog, we run out of tears to cry.